Welcome to yet another episode of Within WordPress, uh, the podcast you should all be listening to, watching, and all of those things. Uh, and with me today is somebody who flew in all the way from the United States. Well, sort of, right? It's a it's a connection. It, <laughs> it, it felt like fl flying in because uh, we had a little trouble uh, getting up uh, to speed, getting all the tech stuff working together. Um, but with me today is uh, Steve Zengut. Uh, Sengut, I think there's a difference of pronunciation. Love it. Either over. way, it's fine. Uh, welcome, Steve. Thank you. Um, so I think you and I go back, uh, I say this to a lot of my guests, but you and I go back quite a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know how many years, but it's probably around the seven, eight year mark. Uh, but it's got to be, it, it's got to be at least that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but for the people that uh, do not know you, um, where have they seen you inside of WordPress? Yeah. Great question. So um, uh, thank you. Uh, thank you for having me, by the way, I'm happy to be here. Um, so I, um, I started my agency, uh, Zeke, uh, 28 years ago. So we started in 1995, um, about, uh, 15, 13, 15 years ago, uh, I started the OC WordPress meetup. Uh, we used to host it at my office. Uh, so pre pre pandemic, actually, even before the pandemic, we went fully remote, but I had an office and we, we built the office around the meetup. We had a, a meetup space in the center of our office. Awesome. Uh, so that was fun. Um, and then, um, from the meetup, uh, um, also, uh, you know, uh, stemmed the, um, the, uh, OC WordCamp. Uh, so that was originally organized by Brandon and, and Jeff at Pixel Jar. Uh, yep. they did it for about five years. Dave Margowski did, uh, took over and he did that for about two years. And then I took over as lead organizer, uh, for two years. So I was, I helped organize, um, uh, OC, uh, WordCamp. And then I was also on the organizing committee for a couple of years for the, uh, U.S. WordCamp. Um, and, and in addition to that, I've, you know, I've, I've spoken at, uh, at, at several word camps, uh, all over the U S I was going to say, um, uh, OC, uh, I know what it means, but I don't think everybody, oh, sorry, OC. sorry. So I'm, I'm located in Orange County, California, uh, specifically in Huntington beach. Um, uh, uh, but we've, uh, we used to host the word camp, um, at, uh, UC Irvine. That's a lovely region. I was there uh, a couple of years back with, um. As, as staying with uh, uh, Kareem, actually. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, which is, I think he's located in Huntington Beach as well. Uh, he's a little bit north of me, or was. Well, was. Uh, was uh, yeah. uh, Manhattan Beach is about, uh, about 45 minutes north of me. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah. So distances are uh, easily overcome in the U.S. Uh, I, I remember. And, 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 and in the U.S., you notice we, we describe everything in minutes, especially Southern California, right? Yeah. You know, we don't, we don't describe everything in miles or kilometers. It's always minutes. Now, you, 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 you like your traffic jams there. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's all about freeway time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, on, on the WordPress side of things, so you've organized uh, quite a few WordCamps, meetups. Um, what, uh, what got you into that? Cause that's volunteer time that doesn't get paid in any way. Shape. <laughs> I noticed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll tell you an interesting story. So, um, um, you, we, yeah, I've been working in WordPress, you know, for, for many, many years and my business partner at the time, uh, Jeff Turner, uh, and I were, um, 
lacking in uh, resources. We uh, we brought on some some WordPress projects, and we just didn't have enough people to uh, fulfill them. And so we just started looking around for freelancers uh, that we could hire. Yeah. Uh, in addition to that, we also had some overflow work that we just couldn't take on. And so we were looking for people to refer uh, work to. And so literally uh, sitting in my office, Jeff said, why don't we start a meetup? Um, and, and, and we'll just gather a bunch of WordPress folks together. Uh, and I said, uh, what's meetup? Yeah. Um, and so uh, he literally, he went on a meetup, uh, set it up. And you know, a few weeks later, we were hosting a meetup at my office. And we had, you know, a dozen or so uh, people uh, just from the Orange County area that were uh, into WordPress. But I think the, um, the, the fact that we grew this um, from a place of wanting to refer work uh, created this um, really cool sense of community in Orange County. Um, mm -hmm. it, you know, from, from the get-go, it was um, uh, uh, not a competitive environment, but a very cooperative environment. Um, and, and just from there, it just sort of grew, right? So people uh, started collaborating, started referring work to each other, created teams, created companies uh, out of the WordPress meetup. Um, and I think last time I looked, uh, you know, the, the meetup was something like, um, 2000 members. Um, um, so it, you know, it grew fast. And so originally, you know, we had a, a very small office in Huntington beach. We had a front room and, um, very quickly the meetup, uh, started spilling over into the hallway, right? It was standing room only. And we just, you know, we had too many people for the space. And yeah. so we actually moved across the street. Um, into a warehouse space and we specifically bought or rented this warehouse space uh, just so we could have a bigger meetup uh, space. And you know, so at, at one point we were getting, you know, 50, 60 people to each meetup. Um, we started hosting parties uh, in addition. So we had some social events in addition to, uh, to the meetup. And then, you know, then the word camps uh, came after that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so the, the, you, you, you would just, uh, oh, you, you kind of say that offhand, like um, the the WordCamps kind of uh, followed that, but that's usually quite a big step because uh, uh, at that, you know, you've, you've been spending time organizing, uh, spending money because um, um, if you're renting space, uh, you most likely had some refreshments here and there as well. Mm -hmm. um, yep. you, you can't see it back there. That's actually, um, that's actually something that the media... Uh, members made for me, but there's a quote on there that says, right in the middle, it says, does anybody need a beer? Um, because that's usually, that's how I started all the meetups. Like I'd, I'd get up, I would crack a beer uh, and, I'd, and I'd just ask anybody if they needed a beer. And so um, we had, you know, we had all kinds of refreshments, but also adult refreshments at the, uh, at the meetups. And that just became part of the thing. Right. And so we, when was this? We got together, we, we just celebrated. So when, when did the meetup start? Yeah. Gosh, I want to say it's somewhere around 2008, 2009. Yeah. Yeah. That's about, and, and soon after that is when, um, and so I, I'd love to take credit for it, I can't, right? So Jeff and Brandon at Pixel Jar started the, um, started the word camp in Orange County, you know, right around the same time. Um, and so they, while we were building the meetup together, you know, they were also building the, uh, started building up uh, word camp Orange County. And that became, you know, a, a pretty big word camp, uh, over time. So over, over the, you know, nine year span, when I was involved in that, it, it, it became a significant word camp. 
think uh, I think at our last the last one I organized, we had something like four hundred people uh, attend attend that word camp. That's a good size. That's a good size. I, yeah. I like sizes uh, in that range. Yeah, it gives enough. Um, so the, the the hallway tracks is where my uh, yeah. my preference lies with work. What's all about? Yeah, I think so. And it's for, it's mostly not not because I I don't. There's nothing to learn from me. That's not there. That's not the problem. Because uh, there always is. But it's more that I enjoy the hallway track. And, and with four hundred, four five hundred people, you have ample opportunity to have very meaningful conversation because that's essentially what it is. And but. The, the size of that is just, for me, feels like, a, you know, I've been to, obviously, WordCamp US, WordCamp Europe. Those are in the two to 3,000 uh, range. Um, I've been to very small WordCamps that are, were less than 100 people. Yeah. Those are interesting as well. Uh, mm -hmm. Recently went to Whitley Bay, uh, uh, close to Newcastle in the UK, uh, which I think had about 100 people. But the the four or five hundred is my sweet spot in terms of um, you get to see who you want to see. You have time for conversations. There's there's everything there. Uh, usually, that amount of people also demands a higher quality of organization. Um, I guess it's the it's the size that the work in, work in Netherlands, the one I've been organizing, um, has been part of that number, uh, just about. Yeah, and and you know what what I what I I I I absolutely agree with everything you said, right? I I think smaller word camps are are fun. They're a little bit more intimate. You sort of get to get to know everybody there. Larger word camps, like the big word camps like U.S. and 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 Europe, are great. They're great to go to, um, but it it can be a little overwhelming and harder to do some some networking. And so I I do like those those word camps that are in the you know two to you know four hundred uh, person range. But at that at that range, you know, we also bring in uh, you know um, more more sponsorship dollars. Um, and and what I what I liked about organizing WordCamp is we got some great speakers. We had we had great tracks. We had great sessions. We did sessions on both Saturday and we did a uh, you know business sessions on Sunday. Yep. Um, so there was a lot of good content. But we were also able to put a lot of um, focus and effort into uh, the social and networking events. Uh, we would do it in Orange County specifically. One of our traditions became a golf tournament uh, the day before Word Camp. Um, oh, OC. <laughs> yeah, we did. Um, we did. Uh, we had food trucks uh, that were there all day. We really, we really put a lot of effort into food, uh, but we gave a lot of opportunity for collaboration and, and, and networking. Yeah. Um, and so, um, and so that 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 part really, like you said, that, that's the stuff that really appeals to me when I go to a, a Word Camp. It, it appeals to me so much that in the last two work in Netherlands, we have specifically, as I was uh, responsible for the program, um, we specifically allotted larger chunks of breaks just for the sake of having breaks because yeah. oh, that's when the conversations are there. And we, uh, on, uh, on the second day, we even had like a dedicated hour and a half of no talks just communicate talk because you know you know how that goes right you you want to see some talks and you have a conversation and then there's this um there's this guy slamming the gong I'm like okay next session starts that was me by the way really love it <laughs> i love it 
Yeah, and uh, uh, but then you you have to cut off your conversation, right? Um, onto the next thing, and that dedicated ninety minutes, um, people really really enjoyed that because uh, you don't you don't have the guilty feeling like I'm missing something now. Um, I get to have that conversation. Like I'll, I'll catch up with you later. You know, you know how that goes. Uh, so you we we built in times for that. Um, We've also, we always had some way of it, but we've gone like, okay, just block a full session for this because people enjoy it so much. And I, I, great. I do feel that the tendency is more in this direction in general. How, how would you say, because you've obviously been doing that from the get-go. Yeah, you, I, you know, I, yeah. I haven't been to a word camp since the pandemic, so I don't, I don't know. Yeah, um, but, yeah, yeah, but I, I, I can't, I, you know, I got to imagine that, that people at this point are really craving that, that connection piece, yeah. right? That's really what it's all about. Um, and so I think, you know, we, we talk about by, by giving those breaks is, uh, is genius. We would pack the entire Saturday, right? We'd, we'd have up to four tracks on the Saturday. Um, wow. The Sunday sessions were actually my favorite. Um, one of the other things that we brought into, into work camp is, is the, is the business track, right? We, on Sunday, we'd have some, some highly technical tracks. Uh, or some highly technical talks, and we'd have one track doing that, but we also had, had a business track yeah. uh, that was specifically about um, how to make money in the WordPress space. Yeah. Well, there's money to be made, for sure. Absolutely. If I remember correctly, you're, you're, uh, you've spoken at WordCamps as well on business topics? That's typically all I speak about when I go to WordCamps. Okay. Right? I, I think I've... In, in all the, the work camps I've spoken at, I, I think I may have given two technical sessions, but most everything I propose is, is some sort of business topic. But what is it about business topics specifically that excites you more than, than other, other topics? Yeah, I just, I, I, I've always felt that that's my, that that's where I can give back the most. Right. And, and I think there is a need, uh, you know, for people to talk to freelancers, especially about. Um, you know, things like, um, account management, uh, time management, um, billing, subjects. um, collecting money, um, change orders, change orders is, is that, that one's near and dear to my heart. I, you know, I love talking about change orders because I found that, um, you know, that's, that's something that people don't, you know, often don't manage very well. What is um, a change and, order? <laughs> um, uh, so change order is, um basically charging charging for your time for anything that changes within the scope of a project right uh, and and being able to articulate that and and have and developing a process for that um and frankly um it's not something that i was good at for a long time right and i i had to learn it over time and so i you know i i like sharing that with um you know with freelancers and with agency owners um um you know because yeah, I find that, you know, when I start having those conversations, you know, people are leaving a lot of money on the table. Oh, they are. But just, but just not managing that properly. The whole, the whole principle of not fully understanding what feature creep is and yes. then everything that comes and falls from that is, uh, yeah. Feature creep, project scope, change orders. Those are, those are things that I love talking. Yeah. Yeah. What is your, so and I'm, 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 I'm going to assume big here, but. What is your most interesting uh, uh, example that you use in this? Because 
you know, whenever whenever people ask, I have an example, but I'm I'm fairly certain you have one as well. Is there is there one you can mention? Just, <laughs> oh sure, I mean, I, I have lots. I'm not going to name any clients specifically. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I, you know, I've ton, tons of, of mistakes that I've made over, over 28 years. Right. And so I can, I can point to uh, specific projects. I've actually, uh, during talks and during, um, uh, times when I've given advice to agency owners, I've actually pulled out scopes, actual scopes and shown where we've, you know, where we've lost money, what, what, it, what change orders looked like, why they came about, um, you know, and it's specifically um, how to identify, uh, when a scope is changing, right. And, 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 and how to not only articulate that, but also sell it, you know, to a client, right. And, and let them know why, you know, why these things are important. And so, yeah, I, I've got, I mean, I've got all kinds of examples that are floating around in my head of, of big scope, uh, scope adjustments that we've had to make and, and, and places we've lost money. Um, so. Uh, yes, is there, is there one you can you can use as an example to explain? Oh man, um, putting you on the spot. So if if, if no, that's fine. Um, yeah, that's fine. Um, I um, um, just you know, in the um, in in the past few years, the one that comes to mind was a big SaaS project that we were working on. Um, and and this was a uh, so this isn't WordPress specific, but um, this this SaaS product was um. Uh, essentially an entire um, a custom ERP system that we were building for um, uh, for 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 this client. Um, not only was it custom ERP, but it was a custom front end uh, ordering system. And so it's a B two B SaaS product. So it's not it's it's not a, a store uh, per se, but it is an it is an ordering system that um, uh, yeah. this client's customers were using to to order their product. And this this client was a manufacturer. Um, the specific scope change that happened wasn't uh, wasn't our uh, wasn't our issue. We 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 built this to spec. I think what we could have probably done differently was um, get a little bit more uh, defined on uh, the user interface uh, because uh, what happened was we we you know we we built it we built it with the client we we you know, we got his input uh, everything was going swimmingly uh, until it wasn't. Um, and so, um, and so until it wasn't, and, and ultimately what happened was the client just had a different picture in his head of what the final outcome of the, uh, of the interface was going to be. Yeah. Um, and, and, and for some reason, even though he was, uh, involved in the entire process, uh, thought that it was going to change at some point to what he had, uh, what he had in his head. Um, and you know, when that, when that came out, um, um, the, um, the scope wasn't defined enough. There was enough left over, uh, left open to interpretation, uh, yeah. where ultimately we had to end up, ha end up having to eat a lot of hours to make the change, uh, for that interface. And so I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm being kind of vague here, but that's, that's the one that sticks out in my mind. And so we did, we did end up eating a lot of, uh, hours to make that run right. So I, I was looking for examples so people could sort of relate to it. And I think even though it's relatively vague, it's, it is immediately something people can relate to because uh, I think we've all seen those projects where you discuss it uh, ad nauseum, like everything is, is talked about, uh, written out, designed and whatnot. 
and yet we, as the people who build it, we kind of know there's room for an imitation, but you know, if you want to spend two more weeks just to hash out those final details, most of us will go like, yeah, we'll figure it out. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a simple one. So here's, here's a simple one that, ah, okay, that yeah. sticks out in my mind uh, recently. So, um, um, we were built, we were building a WooCommerce uh, project for a client recently, and they gave us a couple of sample sites to, to match. Right. And so we looked at the sample sites, we interpreted them, we wrote out uh, a scope, we signed off on the scope. Here's what we're building. And we went off and we, and we built it. What we didn't realize uh, is that they were looking at a specific piece of the site that we weren't looking at. And even though it wasn't captured in the scope, it was in their mind as to yeah. that it was going to be there. And that specific thing was the side cart. So, a, 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 you know, you click, click add to cart, little side uh, drawer opens up, you know, shows the product that's added. You can go to the cart right there. Right? Yeah. Um, and... Ultimately, we missed it because we were really looking at everything else. We were looking at the product pages. We were looking at the uh, at the uh, the static cart. We were looking at the checkout, and we wrote the scope around that. And so it was simply side cart. The term side cart was just sort of left out of the scope. But again, in the client's mind, they they said we want it to be and function like this site. Yeah. Um, so ultimately. Um, you know, we did end up writing a change order before the side cards. Um, it, it, it did work out, but those, again, I think we're saying sort of the same things. It, 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 it's, um, it's, it's in, interpreting what's in the client's head and really spelling all that out, yeah. uh, um, that can, uh, ultimately lead to scope creep and change orders and things like that. And, and ultimately, you know, you know, over time we've moved to user stories, right? So a user story that would cover that would be. Yeah, um, customer is buying something. They click and and a, and a drawer opens so that they can view what they've you know, what they've seen. Right and again, those are things that sometimes just get missed in the in the product scope. Would you say that uh, clients that have uh, as a company are more mature and therefore have uh, better aligned budgets with what they want are the the companies where these <laughs> types scopes and creeps and all whatnot happen less or more? Um, I don't know that I've seen a change over 28 years in, in, in less or more as far as scope creeps goes. Uh, I think it's, it's pretty consistent and it's pretty consistent across all budgets, right? Scope, scope creep just happens. Um, the way I've learned to deal with that over, over time is to just set the expectation up front. Uh, with our client and, and let them know, Hey, listen, you know, we're going to do our best, uh, to capture all the features that you're looking for. We're going to write it down. We're going to agree to it. Right. We're both, we're, we're, we're both going to sign it. it. It's going to be approved, but I'm telling you from experience that there's probably something in your head, right. That we're not going to hear or capture, uh, that is, is just going to stick with you throughout the project. And so expect and budget for a potential increase of say 20%. Yeah. Right. And I just, I set that expectation at the onset because if, if we don't, if there is no scope creep and we've captured it, right. They're, they're really happy. Right. But if, if ultimately, if we have to have the conversation about scope creep uh, along the way, I've already set that expectation. So there are no surprises. That's a, that's a good, um, 
a principle to really understand. It's not just the, the scope creep, but the um, expectation management. I think, uh, so I, before I dived into this world, I came from, uh, I worked at a large insurance company, um, was um, doing many large technical projects and stuff. Um, and having to deal with, because I was, I was translating, uh, I was on, I was working at the HR department, but I was doing tech uh, projects. So those two, by definition, don't match. So I had to be translate mm -hmm. HR to IT all the time and IT back to HR. Um, this is the one thing I learned the quickest. So if I don't calculate in that they're going to need to understand that certain things are going to be different than what they have in their head, um, I was, I was going to have a very difficult time if I didn't do that. So expectation management, like, okay, so we've agreed on this, exactly what you just said. We've agreed on this, but you're going to have to assume there are things hidden in how you want them versus how we're going to build it. That's yep. expect this. Don't be like, we just had a great conversation. We see eye to eye. We're, we're there. We're in unison. <laughs> Kumbayana, all that stuff. <laughs> Stuff is going to be uh, interpreted differently. That's how human nature is. Um, yes. Yeah, that's a good reminder. The expectation management layer is probably one of the most important ones because it's also those very small things, right? It's not, it's not when something goes wrong. It's also the little things. Um, well, and, and one of the things that, and I'm, I'm glad you said that, I, you know, I, I, managing expectations is, is key. But transparent communication is something that I've always practiced, and I think yep. has, is what has uh, led to me you know, being able to be, be in business for this long. Right when when there is a change, right, or when there is something that is unexpected, um, the first thing that I do, or actually the first thing my team does, and they're all trained to do this, is that they they bring it to the client's attention immediately. Right, we don't hide anything. We just say, hey, listen. We discovered this thing, or the client may bring up something, and 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 you know now now there's a change in the project. What we do is we just practice open communication. Yeah, right? it's the best. Rather way. than and, and rather than just saying at that point, you know, when when a change happens or needs to happen, rather than just saying, okay, well, I'll, I'll get you a change order. <laughs> yeah, what we do is. <laughs> Right. And, and I, I say this because I actually found a lot of, a lot of people, that's, that's how they, they, they implement change orders, right? They, they hear a change and without having conversations saying, I'll get you over a change order, right? Yeah. Or worse, just email a change order, you, right? You, you still need to sell it. Right. So, so for, for, yeah, for us, it's always a conversation, right? That's just how we run our agency. We, and, and we, we, what we say to the client is this, say, Hey, listen, this is what we heard, right? Just want to first make sure we understood what we heard. Right. And my trick is this, I, I, I like to say, Hey, this feels like it could be a chain, right? This feels like it's out of scope yep. or this is how we're seeing it on our side. And then we present it. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way. Right. And so that always leads to a conversation. Right. And then at that point we can either, you know, maybe we do determine it's change order. Maybe it's not, maybe this you know, was in scope after all, maybe there's a horse trade uh, that we need to do and pull something out of the scope to get this into scope. Right. 
those conversations are, are, are fantastic. Right. And so that, that's, that's, that's how we run our agency. Would you, would you give an example of, um, let's just say that we, th there's this definition of a, a thing that has to change. Both parties have agreed upon it. It was there. It was acknowledged by both parties. Uh, it needs to change. The client doesn't have any budget for it. Like maybe this is not the first one. Maybe this is the second one or the third one already. And the, the 10, 15, 20% of extra margin is gone. What do you do then? Um, well, there's a couple, couple ways we handle that. Right. Um, so, um, if there, if there's, so there's a couple limitations that, that could happen. Budget, I think you, you was your question, but they also may not have enough time, right? That's what we find more often these days is, is the limitation is time versus budget. There's a deadline coming up, a trade show, uh, some sort of press release is going out. Something's coming up that where we just don't have enough time, even if they had a million bucks for us to do this, yep. time is time is the limiting factor, right? And so we first identify what those limitations are. Is it time? Is it budget? Right? What are what are the limiting factors? Right. Yep. We we get those all out on the on the table uh and discuss those things. Right. Then again, we just turn it into a conversation. Okay. Don't have enough time, don't have enough budget. We have some limiting factors. We need to get this thing in, right? At that point, I turn the conversation into resources, right? What are the Zeke resources? What resources do I need to make this thing happen, right? Because when I start to turn, it, turn the conversation into resources, now I bring the client in, into, the, um, into the conversation about how we're going to move those resources right now. Right. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, that, well, that, that may turn into a horse trade, right? So we said, okay, we've got these resources working on this other feature, right? I'm hearing that actually this thing that you want that we need to put in is, is a high priority. So if we can deprioritize this feature, right, we can dedicate those resources to finishing this feature in your time or your budget or whatever that factor is. That's yeah. usually the way it goes when we've got a limiting factor, right? Then they start to ask, well, what about the thing we just horse traded for, right? What about that lower priority thing? Yeah. At that point, we started to talk about phases, right? So now we're talking about, okay, how do we break off a of phase two for this project, right? And, and, and what, what does that look like? When do you need it? And that, that, that's where we tend to steer the conversation at that point. Do you have uh, uh, mechanisms that you use uh, for clients to determine um, the, uh, the importance of a feature before going in? Yeah, you know, it, um, it, it really, so at the beginning of the project, we've, we've identified all the stakeholders uh, that are that are on the project, right? And so, the um, DMU. what's that? The DMU, the decision-making unit. Right, correct, right? So uh, it, it, the, the priority is going to be set by uh, whatever the stakeholders' priorities are. So we really want to understand, and we start to have the conversation about, you know, what are the business goals uh, behind what you're doing? Um, and so that's, that, that, that's our conversation. Part of our process is, you know, let, let's, let's work on this problem together, um, to figure out, you know, when you need it, why you need it, if it can be pushed off, if, if the feature set can be reduced so that we can get it to you quicker, what yep. those phases look like. And so it, 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 there's a number of factors that go into that conversation. I have, I've. It's I don't know how how European or even how Dutch this uh, principle. We have a what we call a Moscow principle. 
where the M, the S, the C, and the W stand, because that's where it's derived from, stands for must, should, could, and would. Uh-huh. For a client to understand the difference between the four, like must, okay, there's no no debate. And then all the way on the other end of the spectrum is would, like, you know, this would be nice. It, 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 we can make this happen in one go and it doesn't cost too much extra. Sure. But having a client decide on where their feature lies, uh, obviously with business goals and all of that, um, is, is, is at least in this part of the world, a very commonly used mechanism. Um, and, and the reason I asked was kind of wondering if, if, if something similar is working uh, on your side of the pond. We, we don't go that detail. We have two columns, must-haves and nice-to-haves. Right. And so when we're getting into those types of details, we, we, we break into the col into those columns just to simplify it. Um, and, um, you know, it, again, part of it is just the conversation with the client as to what, what it means to truly be a must have, right? If it's an e-commerce site. Is this affecting the ability to purchase, right? Is, is this feature gonna, um, uh, going going to affect the the shopping experience, or is it just nice to have this because of you know something else? And again, I want something dynamic on that page. Yeah, that that that, that, that that's always been my favorite. Like it means well, nothing, nothing, but I want something yeah. dynamic on that page. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what's dynamic? <laughs> make some, it pop. Yeah, make it pop. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I don't, I don't hear those, uh, those types of requests. Uh, same goes with, uh, can you, can you make the logo bigger or smaller? I don't hear those as much as I used to, uh, yeah. which, which we is don't a, either. I was going to say, I think that's an indication of, uh, the market maturing. Would you say that that's something that you can see as a trend? Uh, cause I, I, I think I see it on my end where the type of clients um, maybe this is because I, I, I focus on not entry level type of, uh, site building. I, I mostly build, uh, for a specific purpose. So scalable performance, usually both. Uh, so that attracts a different type of client for sure. But I've also noticed that the way of communication and, and the level of knowledge on the side of the, uh, the client is higher and more professional than it was 15, 10 years ago, heck, even five years ago. Is that something you find as well or? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I've, I've been doing this since, uh, 95 where, which I, I, at that point I had to tell people what the web even was. Right? And so at the, at this point, you know, we're finding, uh, all of our clients, um, have had a website for a while, have been through multiple iterations, have been through multiple developers. Um, and that actually helps with our onboarding conversation, right? right because we're able to, we're able to ask, you know, what were your pain points with some of the, you know, past, past relationships? Um, um, you know, what, what, what can we do differently? Um, you know, those are, yeah, absolutely. At, at this point, um, I don't know that I've, uh, encountered a client that hasn't worked on something within our, our space. And I think. I think we're very similar to you, right? We're, we're working on projects. The key differentiator for us is, is we work on, uh, sites and, and applications that are the business rather than about the business. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I think I'm roughly in the same area. Um, yep. it, it, it is the core facility. So I don't do a lot of presentation sites anymore, um, mm -mm. Uh, which is, I guess, the, the easy way to, to explain the, the difference. But um, so in, in, I, I see that as well, uh, changing uh, more mature type of clients, uh, better understanding uh, consequences of choices. Um, your tech stack, what you like to use, because you you started out explaining that you uh, started to use WordPress, needed more folks, needed more better network to either hire freelancers from or offload work to or whatever. At what point did you start using other applications or solutions as well? Because uh, yeah, great question. So um, um, you would. Took a, we started working in WordPress because our we needed content management and and a lot of what we were building at the time, well before, brought in WordPress was just home based stuff right mm -hmm. so it just it just wasn't robust enough for what we were doing and so brought on WordPress to do content management, adopted WooCommerce so WooCommerce is really our our e commerce uh, platform of choice yeah um, we did a little bit of Shopify work. Um, um, and, and I've seen, we talk about Shopify versus WooCommerce, you know, if, if you want, but we've seen a, a, a pretty big boom in Shopify over the past, uh, past few years. Um, so we do a little bit of Shopify work, uh, that's on the website side on the SaaS side. So we build a lot of SaaS products. Um, that's all Laravel. Uh, and so yep. we, we, we adopted Laravel probably about, uh, I want to say five years ago. Uh, and so. Um, my engineers, uh, my, my service side engineers are, um, um, either WordPress or Laravel and some do both. Um, so those are two PHP frameworks of choice. Um, and then on the mobile side, you know, we still built in Swift and Kotlin, uh, for native, uh, mobile apps, but lately I'd say the past couple of years have really have, um, been building a lot in react native, uh, for anything, <laughs> anything mobile. I'm using flutter there. Yeah, I've I've heard of it. I'm familiar with it with what it does. I'm not. I, I we we've never used it. It's appealing to me in the sense that it's uh, a relatively straightforward framework, and uh, you build one app and it deploys mm -hmm. to two app stores. Um, it, it's the type of synergy I I think that should be there for all type of. But um, I, yes. I, I I can also be swayed into using uh, and looking at different platforms altogether. For myself, I decided not to jump into the JavaScript uh, any deeper than I than I have. Um, if I needed more, than I have people I can employ. Um, but uh, so the the tech stack the tech stack has changed. Uh, I think for a lot of folks around that same time, right? Laravel started to really mature. Uh, we're using it as well for for where it makes sense. Um, Sometimes that makes a whole lot of sense, and sometimes it's still shoehorning mm. it into a direction that um, if you know how to work and and wield WordPress, then you're you know you're already solving a lot of stuff just by using WordPress instead of I oh, know I I have the the better version here with Laravel. Um, what it, in terms of WordPress and the stack within WordPress, are there things inside that are you that you are using differently? Are you changing, for instance, to full site editing yet, or using a 
uh, any page builder preference or just uh, classic as much as possible? Typically, when we're building a WordPress site, um, we're not we're not uh, deploying a page builder. Um, most of our clients count on us to do a, you know soup to nuts. So, yep. um, page builders we have worked in the past. Uh, we've worked in Beaver Builder and Elementor. Um, like them both, um, and so um, those those are just the two that we're familiar with. Um, but something you said I think is important, right? You we always want to find the right tool for the job, right? So we never. We're never shoehorning anything into WordPress. We're never shoehorning anything into Laravel, right? We really do. And we're, we're analyzing a project. We, we look at what's the right tool for the job. Sometimes we deploy both depending on what we need. Yep. Uh, we, actually, we actually built a library. We built a lot of libraries for ourselves. We built the library specifically to get Laravel to talk to WordPress that we, we deployed you know, many, many times. Um, and so that we can, we can exchange data between the two. I think that's the smart way. I mean, this is me going back to um, running projects that build some sort of software solution. Um, sure, I have preference because, you know, it was something that we've used before and therefore you know it and you know its limitations and it's easy to project into, okay, so you want this, I kind of know that. So let's, you know, I see a match, so let's, let's just make that happen. But the... Um, it should have always been that you pick the tool for the job instead of the other way around. I have the job and now I'm going to shoehorn this tool into it. Um, I, I still see that happening. Um, is that something you see or? Oh, all, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, I, I, we do, we do a lot of project takeovers where I can tell that, um, the project was done by somebody that knew one system. Yeah. Um, here. And, I, and, and, and tried to make it, it tried to bend it uh, too much. Uh, and that's ultimately what, you know, became the, you know, why the project failed. Yeah. I, uh, I finished the migration actually literally, literally yesterday where uh, a group of people built a site and so overcomplicated things because they were used to a particular um, way of working, which is a, uh, uh, correct in the sense that it's a more developer-friendly approach, so the, the, their basis was Bedrock, but then they mm -hmm. uh, deviated from Bedrock in like six, seven different ways. So there, there was somewhat of a standard, which they're not really using, and then it became complicated and uh, just not... Like, if you wanted to change something, you were breaking something, which is... Yep. I think, one of my goals is when I build something, I, I literally say this to clients, when I build you something, I want you to be fine for three to five years, depending on how complex of a thing that we build for you. But the minimum is three years. So that means in an ideal world, I don't have to touch your site for three years. If you want new stuff, you want to change things, you want to delete stuff, sure. But in, 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 in essence, you're roughly going to be okay. Because that means I build in a future-friendly way. Right, so uh, I don't have to clench my butt cheeks every single time there's a major <laughs> WordPress update because uh, stuff gets optimized over there. Yeah, I need to fix it in in the code for the site, that which is ridiculous. But that's exactly what this project was. So, um, one, one thing. Sorry, Mira. One one thing I I've always said to my clients is, um, 
you know, we, we, we want to build a project that somebody else can take over either somebody exactly. on, on your team or another team. And, and a lot of people describe this as the bus factor, right? If, if, if uh, one of our engineers gets hit by a bus, right? How many engineers have to get hit by a bus before the, you know, before the project can't be worked on anymore, right? I like to be a little bit more positive, right? I tell my clients, listen, if I win the, if I win the lottery tomorrow, <laughs> you cannot get a hold of me anymore. I still want this project to live on. And so um, that's one, one thing. I mean, we want, we want, we want to work on standardized tools and, and it'll work in a standardized way where somebody else can adopt this project. But more importantly, we, you know, in, in, in addition to being the project being able to take be taken over, we want the, the team to be able to expand, right? So we, we, we tell our clients, Hey, listen, we might not be the only team working on this project in the future, right? We, we still want to be involved, but there may be other teams that need to be pulled into this project. Yep. And, yep. and if we're building a standardized way, uh, then the project can grow. Exactly. I, I like the, the way you, uh, make that a positive thing instead of the bus, but, uh, <laughs> I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna start using that one as well, but then I'm going to, I'm going to coin it like this. Once I get Strebel money, <laughs> you get listening. Uh, yeah. uh, hi Josh. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's doing so, bomb now, which is definitely on my bucket list, which will never happen, but, uh, man, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I wanted to ask you if you if you're familiar with a uh, technology uh, for Laravel called Filament. Yeah, I I'm, I know of it. Uh, okay. Haven't used it myself, but uh, it's cool. yeah, we 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 sponsor them. We recently um, um, uh, opened up a sponsorship with them uh, this cool. year. Um, Filament is uh, phenomenal for building uh, for rapidly building dashboards. Yeah. Um, in, inside of Laravel, it's got couple of limitations that we ran into, but um, um, it, it's great. And we sponsored it because we were building our own um, widgets uh, that we kept using over and over again. And um, the maintenance of those widgets became a job by itself. And so yeah. once we found this, we started adopting it and it's been, it's been great. I think I remember it mostly from, uh, so I don't know if you know, uh, but we're building a, a SaaS uh, ourselves and we is my, uh, co-founder, uh, Buddy Coy, um, it's called Scanfully. Um, and for that we need a dashboard. So mm. what does a builder that builds a lot of these things use? It's most likely going to use whatever, um, we're familiar with. And, uh, this was one of the examples that we looked at. We ended up going with, uh, react mm. uh, and essentially, uh, using an HTML template and then sort of, um, connecting the two. Uh, for our stack, it makes more sense. But this is a good example of where if you're using so much stuff that is somewhat already a framework, then why not adopt a framework and and sort of go from the, like the 80-20 principle, right? The Pareto principle. Right. If 80% of what you need is done by somebody else, I'm not going to spend 20, you know, 80% of my time figuring out how to fix those 20%. Right. I'd like it the other and way. Frankly, That's it, how I use WordPress. That's how I use any other tool. I really don't care. So uh, I'll give you one example. If, if there's a, I have a few clients that have huge databases, like, uh, 80, 90 gigs. 
if I need to change something throughout the entire database, and I'm going to rely either, even if I do it on uh, CLI, I'm going to be entering a process that is lasting probably the entire day. Yes. Which is, which is ridiculous, especially considering there are other options. Like there's other ways of manipulating data inside a database if you're do, if you know what you're doing and you're doing it in a sound fashion. So whether that's rush or whether that's, I don't know, go or there's, there's so many other techniques and, and possibilities out there. Um, uh, Buddy is one of those people that understands those uh, technologies and he's built stuff that then handles that huge database and just runs for 20 minutes, which suits me a lot better than 24 hours. Sure. Because it inter introduces instability. This is a good example of you have to be flexible in what tool you're using, but I have a tendency to look at frameworks, uh, just like you said, uh, it just makes it more sense. Like, and, and if you can, um, find that flexibility, I'm sure you're going to see the, the benefits of it as well. It's not just, uh, I'll, I'll save myself some time. No, it's, it's, it's an entire way of thinking. Yeah. And, and you, you touched on something earlier that I think is important, right? You, you and we both we both have taken over projects or migrated projects where another developer sort of got stuck in their ways, right? Yeah. They, they, yeah. they got stuck with what they know. Um, one thing that we've always encouraged, you know, with our team is, is, uh, learning, keep learning, you know, find out, find out what's out there. Right. And there's solutions that come out every day. Um, and, you know, and so we're, we're, we're constantly, you know, looking for the next, uh, you know, thing that can, uh, save us time and ultimately, you know, um, get our, um, projects to market quicker. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's about that. I think it's, uh, um, I asked you, uh, earlier, like, have you seen a trend of changes in, in terms of what clients, uh, what type of clients and how they present themselves and how savvy they are? Uh, I think you and I both agree that yes, we have seen that change. Um, if you project that into the future, like, where do you, is it even possible? Let, let me start with that one. Is it even possible to project any learnings that you've had in, in your case, uh, almost three decades into what you can, we, you can safely assume is going to happen in the next three to five years. Is there a learning and, and feel free to Talking use either, either business or technical or anything. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm kind of asking um, possible. I know. You know, we're, I mean, with, um, with AI, um, you know, we're, we're, we're now in a phase where, uh, things are just moving very rapidly. Right. And, um, and so I, I get asked a, a couple things pretty regularly. I get asked, um, first off on the, on the client side, um, you know, if we're implementing AI or using something like filament or using a new technology that, uh, that makes us more efficient, right. Um, what does that do to, you know, to project cost, right? Um, um, and I've always said the same thing over, you know, you know, over, over 30 years, you know, what we're, the value that we're bringing as an agency is our experience, right? And if we can get something to market quicker, right, that's, there's a value in that. It doesn't matter how many hours it took us to get there, how we got there, right? Mm -hmm. We're bringing expertise and years of experience, um, that, you know, that, that, that make us, that make us more efficient. And yeah. so over the years, you know, we've switched from hourly, uh, pricing and, and time and materials to value-based pricing, right? Uh, because, 
Um, you know, we're, we're, you know, I'm, I'm as much of the clients is, is, is for my team. I'm trying to get my team to look at the value that they're bringing. Um, you know, an engineer is always going to tend to, uh, default to hours, right? How many hours did it take me? Right? I don't know. Uh, 20 right. <laughs> right. Right. And so, and, and so, you know, I, I, engineer gets more efficient and they, they do uh, 20 hours of work in two hours. They bill for two hours. Got right. Got that's the, that's the default. Right. Um, and so, uh, by switching to value-based pricing, it changes the conversations we've had. And it also allows us to, uh, be really transparent with our clients. Hey, these are new things that we've brought, that we've brought in. This is how we're developing these things. Right, because it's making us more efficient, getting getting you to market quicker. Yep. So we're we're completely transparent with you know with with how how we uh, how we build our um, our projects. So that's on the client side. You know what I see is just additional efficiency. Right. Uh, but you need um, you know, people that have the expertise to be able to you know put it to good use and um, and communicate that to to clients. Right. Yep. On on the technology side, we adopted uh, you know AI pretty quickly you know, with the with the with the way we code, and so we're just we're again things change every single day, and so we we carve out some time within our week for our engineers to to learn and and to see to see what's happening and experiment uh, because we want to find the new tools that are going to make us uh, more efficient. Yeah. Uh, and so right away, as soon as ChatGPT started creating code, we use it as a co-pilot, right? So it, it it sits next to all of our coders, and they're using ChatGPT as an assistant. They're also using GitHub Copilot, and they use all the stuff that's been built into PHP Storm. It's um, kind of ridiculous if uh, you're still thinking that you're better off without. If absolutely. I'm, if I'm really honest, um, my first, I'd say the the first. Uh, bucket of things that I used uh, ChatGPT for is uh, when inheriting projects, the chances are pretty high that you'll find undocumented code or even worse, spaghetti code. And ChatGPT has its flaws in many ways because I, I still think it has trouble counting, just straight up counting. But if you ask it to debug or explain uh, even uh, hundreds of lines of code, it'll do it. Mm -hmm. But you know, obviously, you need to have the prompt that 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 goes with it. But I've I've had it solve so many shit for me because that's I don't I don't have a nicer word for it. Then it's it's that's the right word, <laughs> and 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 it does it almost flawlessly. Like if you if you are constantly fine tuning your your prompts, it is such a game changer. And to think, to have the, or I, I will even say this, to have the arrogance to think that it is not possible to help you in your processes, that's ridiculous. At the very least, rubber duck it. Uh, why am I doing this? Why is that being called? Is there a better way? Is there a more performant way? What is the, what is the cost efficiency? You know, ask it even side-related questions to code. It's just amazing what it, it, what it, what it will tell you. I agree. And, you know, people that are outside the industry that I talk to, you know, uh, have this perception that uh, ChatGPT is going to put all coders out of business, no. right? Just like it's going to put all writers out of business or all lawyers out of business. And it's just, it's not the right way to look at it, right? ChatGPT is just a tool. That, that, that's all it is, right? Yep. Um, 
it's a it, it's a it's a it's a it's a new tool and it's rapidly you know getting better and better and and we're you know we're we're now operating in uh, an era of lightning speed like you know the way that these things change but here's the you know um somebody said to me you know when ChatGPT um you know first started coming out um uh they said um uh, how would they say you were talking we were having a conversation about how ChatGPT was going to put all copywriters out of business right Hmm. Um, and, and I said, um, and, and, and somebody during that conversation said, you know, what? I, I, I've, um, I saw a job ad recently, right. Uh, for somebody that could make you know, hundreds of thousand dollars, uh, if you, know, for just prompting chat GPT for, for copywriting, right. Is what they said to me. I said, yeah. Do you know what that person is called? A writer. Yeah. <laughs> and so. So it's the same way in any profession, right? Yeah. ChatGPT can write code, but in the hands of an inexperienced coder, it's gonna it's gonna produce shit. Yeah, yeah. If and the same for for programming and stuff. So there's there's uh, there's programming languages it's better at than others. Uh, but if you ask it to do command line stuff, if you ask it to do bash, uh, WPCLI scripts, and you know. Uh, I, I've always used uh, WPCLI quite extensively. Me uh, too. I've scripted uh, WPCLI into uh, Bash scripts wherever it makes sense. Uh, but there was, you know, there's always a limit to what you can think of. And, you know, before you have to call yourself a, a Bash developer, uh, uh, there is the stuff that you can think of, but you don't know where to start and how to build it because you've never done it. That's where ChatGPT is, is just shining because it, I, this is what I'm solving right now. This is my script here. I want to add this. Can you suggest me like two different ways of doing this? And it'll tell you. And you can then, yep. then you know, Google that afterwards and then verify if it works or not. You know, that's the easy part. But the whole, let it give you ideas. That's where you need to see its power. Um, not in the, I'm going to be replaced by it. Well, and I think you're absolutely right. That's different than going to chat GPT and saying, um, create me a WordPress plugin that does this. Yeah. It's just not going to do that for you. Some few basic things, sure. But uh, uh, if you guide it along, this is the framework and this is how I want you to sure. solve this. And here's an example of this and then and work with this and, or this is what I have, and I need it to be more performant because right now a lot of traffic is going to bring it down. You know, you explain what you want from it, and it and it'll do it. So, um, no, I agree. Um, uh, I think that's uh, there's a huge change coming still. I think people think that the change came when ChatGPT launched out of beta. It, it, it's not. That's just it's just warming up. Agreed. The big yeah. thing is just way beyond the horizon still and we're we're getting glimpses that's it and i mean that in a positive way this is yeah. not a glimpse. yeah I, I i wholeheartedly agree yeah i i, I figured you would uh, you're a smart guy so <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> i appreciate that i'll send you a check yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, i just my paypal account is an old <laughs> No, but uh, um, um, yeah, um, I think I, I um, 
let me uh, let me at least say that uh, I think you are, uh, from a business standpoint, have always been producing the right type of content and quality. Uh, obviously, having seen some of your talks, but it's 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 nice to hear somebody uh, on the same wavelength in terms of. Uh, let, let let me just bracket it as uh, not doom and gloom. What's ahead of us? Because there's, you know, there's if if you're flexible with technologies. If you understand the possibilities, then there is a huge amount of growth right in front of us. Well, and, you know, I think, um, you know, one of the things that I think um, that we've just talked about on, you know, in this, in this, this past 45 minutes is um, anything that we do in the agency space, in the tech space within ChatGPT, right? What, you know, what, what, what you bring Right, what I bring to the table, and and what you know, the people that have been successful in the space bring to the table is that human element, right? Yeah. Um, that that that's never going to go away, um, no matter how good the technology gets, right? That human element is is important, you know, whether you're networking, connecting, whether you're communicating with a client, uh, uh, you know, about about a project, um, the, what you put into ChatGPT, that human element is is critical. And I would argue that it's even more critical today than it was when I started this business. I was going to say, which is why I started this podcast. I love it. Yeah. Um, and on that bombshell, uh, I'd like to thank <laughs> you for attending. Um, my pleasure, man. It was, it's been great. It's been my pleasure as well. Thank you so much, man. <laughs> <laughs>